Hey, hey, this is your girl, Carla Renata, a.k.a. The Curvy Film Critic. I have a special guest in studio, one of my favorite people on the planet, Mr. Sean Patrick Thomas, to talk about the case, the curse, the curse, the curse of La Llorona. Stay right there. You're tuned into Black Hollywood Live, the world's first digital broadcast network devoted entirely to urban entertainment and pop culture. Tune in right now. Carla Renata, a.k.a. The Curvy Film Critic for episode 57 of The Curvy Film Critic with Carla Renata here at Black Hollywood Live. If you can, go over to YouTube, give us those comments, give us some love, and give us some thumbs up over at Spotify and iTunes. So, today is Easter Sunday, but I'm going to talk about a little curse action with one of my favorite people on the planet, <laughs> my special <laughs> guest in studio, Mr. Sean Patrick Thomas. Welcome, Sean. Thank you very much for having me, Carla. Appreciate it. It's, oh, Charlie, we, you ain't got to be so formal. We all good in the hood. Okay, good, good. So good. while we, before we got on camera, we were talking a little bit about the fact that I'm a bison, Howard mm-hmm. University, mm-hmm. Woo, woo. and you shared with me that your parents, both of them went to Howard University, yes, and is. yet you did not pick up the lineage of the bison. I need to know why. Okay, I need to explain this. <laughs> My mom and dad love Howard. They have nothing but good things to say about Howard. But when I was coming up, um, a lot of my friends were looking at the uh, University of Virginia. Mm-hmm. And so I went down there, and I grew up in Wilmington, Delaware. Mm-hmm. And the area where I grew up was very kind of suburban, not very diverse. I didn't see a lot of myself. Of course you didn't. It's Delaware. Right, right. <laughs> and so I went down to uh, University of Virginia for... Uh, for Black uh, Weekend, like Black Alumni Weekend. Mm-hmm. And this is back in the late 80s. So this is back when it was like uh, doing the butt. Right. And so I was down there, <laughs> and it was the Greeks and the step shows. And, of course. And the, the girls and the biker shorts and all that whole thing. Mm-hmm. So I went down there, and I saw all these black people. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm, I'm not leaving. <laughs> I'm going to UVA. And so based oh. on that weekend there, I was just like, this is this is where I'm supposed to be. Oh, man. And so I just kind of... So got, UVA stole you from I got, us. I got stuck in my mind that this is where I was going, you know? Oh, wow. UVA and, uh, stole you from us. That's did, messed up. Did, yeah. That is messed up. <laughs> I am so sad. But glad yeah. that you got your groove on with the homecoming. Speaking of I homecoming, did. have you seen Beyonce's homecoming? I missed it. I have not... But it just came out yesterday, It right? just came out yesterday. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I haven't seen it yet, but I'm going to catch up. Dude, you're gonna if you love the homecoming at U of A, uh, then you're gonna be real nostalgic when you see Beyonce's homecoming because yeah. that is all it is. And she got on some booty shorts too. Okay, well, <laughs> I'll keep that in mind. He's like, he's like, that might be a plus. We don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so, of course, if I'm gonna have Sean Patrick Thomas in studio, I gotta talk about Save the Last Dance for a couple of reasons. Okay, Julia Stiles, Kerry Washington, mm-hmm. and dancing. So, were you? A trained dancer when you started oh, that? No. Because you look like you knew what you were doing. No, no, no. I was no, like, I was oh, a... my boy got some skills. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Not <laughs> trained at all. Not not trained in the least bit. No? No, not at all. But, I mean, I went to uh, NYU to get my master's degree. hmm And so we had a little bit of everything, like a little bit of singing, a little bit of movement class and stuff like that. And so what I think I got out of that was I wasn't intimidated by having to learn something new. hmm So I think that's what served me from getting my master's degree. And outside of that, I just had great teachers, great choreographers, uh, Fatima, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Richmond Talawega. Mm-hmm. And the two of them just drilled the hell out of me <laughs> un- until it was time to say action. I mean, up until like action, they were just on me 24-7. Even days when we weren't shooting, uh, Richmond had me out at the club, had me out just 
Oh no, y'all were at the club night. practicing. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's, nights that was fun. After we're done shooting, I'd be exhausted. He'd be like, Mm-mm, "We're going out," you know, and that's what we did. That's a great way to get somebody yeah. to be comfortable with dancing and, yeah. and filming it. Wow, mm-hmm. I'm impressed by that. I'm really impressed by that. What would you say was the most difficult dance sequence that you had to like bust a move on that you were like, "Ooh, I'm really not looking forward to this camera rolling right now." <laughs> <laughs> um, there was one that we did where we practiced a particular thing for like two weeks. Mm-hmm. And then when we got there that day, Fatima and Richmond were like, you know what? Let's not do that. Let's do this instead. And Oops. me, I was, I came from a very kind of, you know, academic approach. You know, I practice it and have it in my head and all that stuff. And I wasn't really ready to improvise dance wise the way a real dancer would be. So there was one day where they kind of changed it all up. And uh, I was like, whoa, you got to, I don't know if I can do this. <laughs> You're like, I need yeah. a minute. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But then I went back to my trailer with Richmond and we just talked and hung out. Um, you know, I had a little, you know, cocktail. You know, got to do what you, you know. got to do. I ain't and mad then, at you. And then we went back to the set and we just did it. Okay. Yeah. But there's some stuff that I just couldn't do. Like, like what? Like a split. <laughs> you know. Child, don't yeah. feel bad. I can't yeah. do those certain, split either. Certain things. And so they had a real... <laughs> Dancer, a guy named Punch came in. who's an amazing dancer. Oh yeah, I know who he is. You, you know Punch? Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, he came in, and you know, the stuff that I couldn't do, he did it. Yeah. Now back yeah. in the day, I could do splits, but yeah, the uh-huh. only thing that's doing the split right now is my fingers. Bam! <laughs> yeah. Oh, pow! I, I can't even do that. You can't even do that? Can't oh, come do on! It. Bam! Okay, now, you which, can't do Which that? fingers are you using? These two. These two. I can't do it. See? Ba- Sean, I can't do it. You gotta do some. You gotta do some exercise yeah, I, I got, with the I fingers. I gotta stretch the fingers. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my God, you are pure comedy. Okay, so moving forward, because we're going to do our my little Sean Patrick Thomas retrospective, because I have to do it since you're here. Um, that Barbershop franchise is yes. one of my favorite franchises of black films ever, because it is a franchise that anybody of color or not color can relate to, because yes. everybody that's a dude got to go to the barbershop. Absolutely, Even yeah. girls go to the barbershop now. Right. So everybody knows what that is. Everybody can understand what that feeling is of sitting there and waiting to get your hair cut or get, mm. or get it in somebody's chair whose chair you don't want to be in. Right, right. Have you ever had that experience? All the time. All the time. And especially now because uh, a lot of the barbershops now, you know, there's, there's women in there cutting dudes Yeah, dudes exactly. Hair. And uh, one particular barber that I've been going to off and on for a long time here in L.A., I walked into the shop and everybody's chair was full and they had long lines. And <laughs> she was just standing there all by herself like, Aww. I'm ready. I can take you. You know? Did you go to her? And I went to her, and she was the best in the shop. Wow. Yeah, she you was still fantastic. go to her? Uh, off and on, off and on, yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So, you know, th- that's the way things have evolved. And the dudes need to be ready to be open to anybody, because she was better than all the dudes in that shop. But you know what? We got to be like that, because we girls. We always got to be like 10 times better. You're right, that's just and, how and, it is. and it's not fair. It's, it's not, not right. fair, and it's yeah. not right, but, you know, it's getting better. Yes. But that's kind of how it is. Yeah. Um, what was your favorite... What was your what was the one scene that y'all shot that you were in that you were like, I'm really just trying to contain my laughter right now, but I don't think I'm gonna be able to not cheese it up in this moment. Right. I mean, really anything that had to do with Cedric the Entertainer. I mean, he was doing <laughs> stuff where every single take he would have a new joke or a, a new, you know, zinger that he was tossing out. And so like I can't think of any particular scene, mm-hmm. but whenever the camera was on Cedric, the director was like, Okay, now Try something else. Now try something else. Now mm-hmm. try something else. And mm-hmm. every single time 
he tried something else. I just I just couldn't hold my laughter in. Did you read for any other parts in that film? Because it seemed like that fi- that part that you played was tailor made just for you. <laughs> tailor made because now what's that, that supposed to mean? But it means that you know you that stand up kind of intelligent, uh-huh. you know, well spoken, handsome brother, and it feel felt like that part was specifically for you. Because uh-huh. honestly, when I look at the film right. and I see you in it, I can't imagine somebody else doing it. Well, I appreciate because you were perfect you. in it. Thank you, you very know? much. Um, no, no. What happened with that one is, is they were doing readings of the play, uh, not the play. Jeez, I'm such a, <laughs> a theater geek. Uh-huh. They were doing readings of the script, mm-hmm. and um, they asked me to just read that character during the table reading. Oh, when they were just having like readings of it, and so it's kind of progressed from there. Oh, yeah. So you, so it was tailor made for you. No, I wouldn't say that because it was written, you know, as it is, as mm-hmm. as you see it on screen. Mm-hmm. But I guess I was in on it a little early, mm-hmm. just doing the the table reads of it. Okay. Yeah. All right. When you showed up on... Okay, so when you did the table reads of it, when you got called to do the table read, let's go Uh, back. So when you got called to do the table read and they said, yeah, so Ice Cube, you know, the rapper Ice Cube, Uh he got this screenplay that he's doing about barbershops. Were Uh you like, Ice Cube? No, not at all. Really? Not at all. No, I mean, I grew up... Well, I didn't grow up because we're not that far apart in age, but when I was in college, I loved Ice Cube. Oh. So I, I have any problem with that. Because, baby, I'm going to tell you, when they said Ice Cube has written and is going to star in a film called Barbershop, I'm like, written? Well, he didn't write it, no. Didn't he write something? He produced it. He produced yeah, he was a yeah, producer, okay. but I don't think he wrote so it. So I think when I think about produced, I think about written and produced sure, by. Sure, sure. So that's why I said that. Right. But, um, but when I heard that he was involved with that film in that respect, I was mm-hmm. like... You mean like Boys in the Hood, Ice Cube? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, really? And it's going to be... And Boys in the Hood, Ice Cube is turned into like this family man. He's got right. this whole little family franchise and the barbershop franchise. And he actually used the barbershop, fran- the last one, mm-hmm. to make a statement. Absolutely, yeah. Which all of them made a statement in their own way, to be mm-hmm. to be honest. Like, even the one that... The second one that you were in where you had become the... the were you the councilman? I was kind of like the uh, the press secretary to the alderman. Yes, yeah. alderman. Yeah. So even in that one, that one was even prolific because we were at a time during that moment where that kind of stuff was happening in, at the time in yeah. America too. Yeah. So for some, it, I was saying this to you before we got on air that a lot of times when films are being shot, nobody really knows what the state of affairs in the country or in society or what the pulse of society is going to be when the films are actually released. Sure. And the Barbershop franchise, in addition to other films that I've seen, always have that that luck, I guess, of being released during a time where it's like right on time, mm-hmm. right where the pulse, the finger's right on the pulse. Yeah. All those movies have heart, but I, mean, I don't think that's a coincidence, though. I mean, I think... You, you don't? Know, no. Like, you know, George Tillman and Bob Title, the producers, those are guys that are really just in touch with, with the people, you mm-hmm. know, and they have good taste. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't think it's an accident that all three of them end up having something that feels relevant at the time. Okay. I'll agree with you on that. Yeah. I, I'll go with you on that one. All right. So now because I'm a Broadway baby, mm-hmm. and I know you're a Broadway baby, we got to talk about a Raising the Sun, but I got to tell you my Raising the Sun story first. <clears throat> so when okay. I was going to Howard University and I was um, drama was my minor, uh-huh. every girl that took a drama class at Howard University or in any class across the country always right. has to learn that Beneath the Monologue. Yeah. The, the one about being a doctor, everybody. Yeah, yeah. So the day that I was supposed to do mine, I was a, a journalism major, so I had all these projects due, these these video projects that were due, and I didn't have time to learn that monologue, but I was good at memorizing stuff at the last minute. Okay. So I skipped the class so I could memorize the monologue at the last minute uh-huh. and came up in that classroom thinking I was going to fool somebody. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and my professor, I finished that monologue, and she looked at me and she was like, which felt like, 
it felt like 10,000 years, but I'm sure it was just a couple of seconds. And uh-huh. she looked at me and she was like, so I don't know what that was, Ooh. but that was the worst version of that monologue I've ever seen in my life. And then my she, goodness. and I don't know what she said after that. Cause I blanked out uh-huh. <laughs> and she, but she literally ripped me a new one mm-hmm. and I was mortified. Oh. And so because of that, for years and years and years, I thought I couldn't act because she was like, because that was the most, like, that was the monologue that proved if you were a girl, that proved whether you had the chops or not because it had so much range within that short sure. period of time. Sure. And I got up there and thought I was doing something and my college professor was like, yeah, no, you didn't. Now, is this an English teacher or is this a drama no, teacher? No, this was a drama teacher. I don't think that's how you teach people how, um, how to no. get through a, a monologue. Uh, no. That's not very supportive. But, but yeah. no, she wasn't. No. She let me have it. And I was like, and I, I remember it vividly. I cried and I cried. I because it was in it was at Howard University in mm-hmm. Ira Aldrich Theater where we used to have our classes and I ran out the back of Ira Aldrich Theater and I was sitting on the other side of the theater squatted down on the floor just sobbing sure. and my cl- my classmates came out and they were like oh Carla it wasn't that bad I'm like <laughs> it was uh-huh. awful so whenever I see raisin in the sun uh-huh. I am it's painfully traumatic. reminded of that right but I'm also painfully reminded of the fact that that was the first time that we ever saw a black family depicted that way on the stage mm-hmm. or on the screen. Yeah. So when you became a part of that franchise, because that also is a franchise mm-hmm. in a certain respect because it's been done so many times sure. on stage and on screen. Mm-hmm. When you came into that fold, what what feeling did you have about that coming into it, knowing what the lineage was? Well, for me, it had a significant amount of uh, importance for me because the first play I ever did where I had like any words to say was Raising in the Sun. When I was in oh. college at the University of Virginia, and at that time I wasn't even planning to be an actor. Oh wow! What I mean, were you, you planning to be? I was just planning to like maybe be a lawyer or something like that. I really I had see that. I had no ambition to be an actor at all. But uh, they were doing a production of Raising in the Sun in Virginia in 1989. Okay, and uh, they didn't have enough black actors that were in the drama department to fill out the cast. Mm-hmm. And so a guy named Richard Warner, who was directing the play, who Basically, I credit him with for me ever, ever even thinking about acting, hmm. um, and he's still there. He's oh, that's great. Yeah. And uh, he he, was, really he saw me in the hallway, and he was like, "Hey, you know, would you want to audition for a play?" Because I was in the I was in the building for a different class, mm-hmm. and I was like, um, "Okay, sure." So I auditioned for *Raising in the Sun* to play uh, Joseph Asagai. Oh, and full circle moment. Yeah, oh, yeah, cool. And he cast me in the role, and I had no idea what I was doing, but. <laughs> We never do at that age, yeah, do we? Yeah, but, but I loved every second of it, and then I was hooked. And so to get to come full circle and do that same role on Broadway, you know, more than 20 years later, it was just the biggest thrill for me. And even just talking about it now, I'm getting goosebumps. I, 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 ooh, I got goosebumps yeah, for you. That yeah. was weird. He said goosebumps, and then my skin went ding, 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 ding. <laughs> And Denzel was in that production. Yes, so yes. so you've had this full circle moment mm-hmm. doing Raising and Son, and now you're working with one of the most the celebrated actors in the African-American community. Yeah. So yeah. come on, dude. What was that like? And Anika Noni Rose. And, yeah, yeah. Like that and was... Latanya Richardson. Yes. And, yeah, I mean, great cast. That was cast. an amazing cast. It was a great cast, yeah. Sophie Okonedo, unbelievable. Yes. J- Jason Durden. Yes, that was a wonderful cast. Yeah, phenomenal yeah. cast. It's a really wonderful cast. Yeah. I'm so glad that you got to have that full circle moment. So am I. But it was just great because what, what you see with Denzel Washington in particular is that there's no uh, tricks. There's no, you know, uh, there's nothing other than hard work. 
Mm-hmm. You know, you see the man focus, you see the man experiment, you see the man try different things, you know, come early, stay late. Hmm. You know, he's just a, a guy who brings his hard hat and his lunch pail to work. <laughs> I and, love and, that. And, and that's really all it is with him. I love that it, analogy. It's, it's, it's not an accident that, he, that he's great. Mm-hmm. Because he puts in the work. Most people that are great do put in the work, yeah. and I think it's a misconception that you know when someone like someone like a Denzel or mm-hmm. a Halle Berry or you know all the other greats that we know to to be really great actors within our community, mm-hmm. people think that they just got some lucky break. Of course, luck has something to do with it. It yeah. always does in our business. But the my mother always said, luck is preparation meets opportunity. Absolutely. If you're not prepared for the opportunity, you're right. not going to have the luck to create those opportunities for you. Right. So they, you know, they did what they had cuz I remember when I okay, I'm about to tell my age now. So okay. I remember when I moved to New York, Denzel was on Broadway in a play called Checkers. Uh-huh. Where it was him and his wife mm-hmm. and Ruby D and Ozzy Davis. Mm-hmm. They and I remember walking past the theater with that big splash backsplash with their pictures on it. Mm-hmm. And I remember I only saw him on a Broadway poster that one time. And the next time I saw him, he was in some crazy comedy movie. It was the worst movie ever. It was. It was so bad. He was good, but the uh-huh. movie sucked. And then uh-huh. <laughs> it did. I don't even remember the name of it. It was so bad. And then the next time I saw him, is on St. Elsewhere. Uh-huh. And that ended up be a, being a really long-running um, yeah. medical drama. And mm-hmm. then after that, it was like... Stephen Biko and yeah, mm-hmm. all that stuff. And then yeah. the film thing just kind of opened up for him. Yeah. What Do you remember if there's anything that you... In watching him rehearse or in watching him perform that you took away from from being in his presence in that respect of working with him as a fellow um, actor? Well, what I got from him mainly was he had this thing about him where he would tell me, like he had a scene that came on right after mine during the show. Mm -hmm. And some nights when I would walk off, he would like whisper little things to me that like, like little, just little tips and little things to remember, you know. And one time... Uh, there, there's a scene where uh, I'm telling Benita, you know, you don't understand how lucky you are, you know, because where I come from, I deal with this mm-hmm. and I deal with that. Mm-hmm. And, and and I think one night I must have done the scene and it must have come off really uh, intense or angry. Mm. And when I walked off the stage and he said, Sean, remember the love. Mm. Just remember the love. And from ever since then, it just kind of transformed the way I did the scene. And, and you know, he just kind of he's able to toss little simple things like that out at you. Wow. That just kind of just flower up organically in you and change everything. I'm really glad to hear that yeah. because a, a lot of times you hear so many stories of people at his level, especially not right. being that generous oh, or yeah. being, you know, chuckleheads, right. so, you know, <laughs> for lack of a better way to say yeah, it. Yeah. But I'm really glad to hear that he was very generous with you oh, and, he he was was, cool. and he pulled you up and was trying to help make you better from where Absolutely. you were. Absolutely. I mean, anything he tells me, I will listen. <laughs> You know, I mean, I think I'm good. I, know that's I, right. I think I got skills, but I will listen uh, to Denzel. Yeah, brother, you got some skills. I will listen to Denzel. Absolutely. <laughs> Shoot, if cool, I was working yeah. with him, I'd listen to him too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, we would warm up before the show, and you know, sometimes I would start doing Shakespeare monologues just to warm up my mouth, and mm-hmm. I would start a line, and he would finish it. Mm-hmm. You know, like everything I thought I knew, he knew, and he knew more. All right. Literally. All right. Yeah. Well, there's that. So he, he said to you, remember the love. Yes, he That's did. That's going to segue me into my next segment okay. where there is a documentary that ended up on OWN called Black Love where they interviewed all these couples about their relationship, how they met, right. what black love means to them. Mm-hmm. You know, some couples are interracial, some are not. Some were broke when they met each other. Some were not. Mm-hmm. Some were equal when they met each other. Some were not. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to know what that experience was like for you and your wife doing it. It was great for us to do it because we, at that point in time, 
we had just kind of gotten out of the, all the ups and downs of what it was to uh, have our children because we had some, you know, uh, fertility issues and mm -hmm. miscarriages and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And we had just finished like getting past all of that stuff and the kids were young and, and we were just kind of like had just settled down off of all of that. And we mm -hmm. hadn't really talked about it in a, in, in a way that we ended up talking about it. That's with, hard. With, with Tommy and Cody because mm -hmm. uh, we talked about it alone, but not in a way where we, people really questioned us about how we were feeling at the time. Well, so that's she not said something things, that's talked about. Right. She yeah. said things that I didn't remember her feeling or, that I, or she'd never said before. I said things that, that she'd never heard me say before. Mm -hmm. And so it kind of brought things out in that forum that I don't know that we would have, have had it come out that same way if we were just talking alone over dinner. Exactly. I had a girlfriend, her and her husband um, did fertility treatments because they were having some issues having kids. Mm -hmm. And um, it was a big discussion for them because we were coming right out of college as they were having that discussion. Uh -huh. So there was a big discussion for them. But then what happened with them is um, my girlfriend, because she didn't tell me this until after the fact, but after the fact, it was discovered that sometimes when people go through those fertility treatments, there's mm -hmm. a huge risk of uh, developing breast cancer as a result of it. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. And my girlfriend developed breast cancer. She survived it. Uh -huh. She survived it. Right. But um, when she called to tell me that, that she had been diagnosed with that, right. it was really interesting because I thought, well, how does, I said, does that run in, because when she told me, I was like, does that run in your family? Because I mm -hmm. didn't remember anybody, because we'd known each other since college. I didn't right. remember anybody in her family. She's like, no. She said, you know, I was reading up about it. And they were saying in some instances, not all, I'm very, very few. It's like mm -hmm. a very small percentage that sometimes those fertility treatments can um, develop into breast cancer for certain people, depending on their genes and their, their family makeup right. and, you know, background and all that. And she said, and I said, but knowing what you know now, would mm. you still have done it? And she said, yes. There's no doubt. There's no doubt. Those babies are the best part of every day. Aww. Absolutely. What's your, what's your, what, what is the, the one moment that you looked at one of your kids and you were like, ooh, that was so me when I was a kid? Oh. Because <laughs> <laughs> everybody has that moment. You yeah, know they, they do. do. <laughs> they do. They do. Uh, gosh. I think when I, my, my son is a competitive gymnast. Oh, wow. And uh, he, he's turned out to be very, very good. And there are times when I watch him and I see he gets so competitive to the point where like he vibrates with just like intensity. Aww. And I'm the same way. Like when I'm doing any type of sport like that or anything, really, uh, I, I'm, I get very competitive. Like, really? Yeah, like just super competitive. Like I, I want to win. And Are you like that when you play else. games too? It depends. Like on can how we many, not play I, Uno with you? No, we can play Uno. Like if I have a couple <laughs> drinks, I'm good. Are you the Cocktails, I'm straight. <laughs> Are you going to be that person who play Uno <laughs> or one of those those games on Ellen where you're like, we're going to have to like, you know, get you in a straight jacket and get you out the room? Uh -huh. Are you that person? No, 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 no. I'm cool. I'm cool. I'm cool with Uno. Spades, I'm, I'm good with all that. Who's Spades? I can't play Spades. Really? I'm so not the Th card that, player. That was my game in college. I am so not that. Like, people... I feel like my black card should be revoked because whenever my friends invite me to, uh, they're like, oh, girl, we're going to have a card party. I'm like, yeah, I'm not your chick. Uh -huh. Like, I can't play spades. I can't play fish. I can't mm. play. I'm well, just like. It's nah. never too late unless you just don't want to know. I just don't want to know. That's cool. I just don't yeah. want to. Because I watch my family. It's like a it's like a sport in my family, especially mm. on my dad's side. Right. And it gets ugly. Uh -huh. Like, people start going in. Folks start fighting. <laughs> stuff gets thrown. I'm right. like, I don't know if no, I want to be a I'm part of like that. I'm not like that with cards. I'm, I'm like that with sports. <laughs> And I'm like that with like maybe, you know, a, a competitive situation, you know, like for a job or something like that. What sport in particular? Basketball? 
for me, I'm a massive football fan. Oh. I'm a huge Philadelphia Eagles fan. Oh. I bleed green. That's my thing. <laughs> you said I bleed green. I do, I do bleed green. I'm the biggest <laughs> Eagles fan in the world. Oh, my yeah. God. But, but when I watch my son and when I see him, like he could do a perfect routine mm. on the rings or the high bar or whatever. Mm. But if he does one little thing wrong, he'll come down and he'll be so upset. Because he wants when, when to be When he was perfect good. in every other way. Mm. And I'm, I'm very much the same way. Yeah, I can kind of relate to that. Yeah. I can relate to that. I, me- I remember a long time ago I did a, um, it was a singing competition or something. Mm-hmm. And I think I was like the first runner up. And yeah. I was, and I bawled. Like you would have thought somebody yeah. had died. I was yeah. like, just a mess. And my right. mother, and my mother said, oh, she's really upset that she didn't <laughs> win. And I lied. I was like, no, I'm just really happy for her. And uh-huh. my mother was like. I don't know who you thought you was fooling, but you wasn't fooling me. You're my kid. I knew you were upset because you didn't win. Uh I think that was the first time for me in my life that I realized what being competitive was. Mm -hmm. Like, I didn't know. I didn't know that that's what it was. I Mm -hmm. didn't know that's what it felt like. I just didn't know. It's a scary kind of feeling because it don't you feel like sometimes you feel like you might. It, that might get out of control Absolutely. if you let it. Like, it's a oh, yeah. really scary kind of emotion. Yeah, yeah. Where you're yeah. like, mm, I don't know if I... Do I need to rein this back? Do I need to, like... Do, like am I going to be the Incredible Hulk right now? Do I need to just, like, go in a closet right. before I turn green and my muscles yeah. pump up? Like, what's going to happen? Yeah. I don't know. I don't but the thing is, I don't want to control that too much because that's part of what gets got me here to wherever it is that I am. And then there's that. You know, so, I mean, it is what it is. It is it's what gonna, it it's is. It's ride the beast. What was the most... Um, surprising story that that you and your wife heard from each other when you guys did black love the most surprising story that we heard from that when, when she said something and you were like really you felt like that <laughs> <laughs> and she was like really you felt like that uh um i think it, it's it was a good thing like i think i think she she said things that were just so complimentary and so sweet mm. and she expressed so much admiration and respect for me that i, ne- I never felt that she didn't feel those things for me but to hear her say them in the way that she said them publicly it's just different you know yeah. it, it, it hit me hit me hard Aww. in a good in a good way yeah, yeah well when you think about it when you're in a relationship and you're I'm not married but when you're mm-hmm. married to someone and you're in a relationship and you have a family it's an understood fact that you feel the way that you feel, but nobody goes out of their way right. to communicate it on right. a daily basis right. or even a yearly basis. It kind of just comes up when it comes up. Right. 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 And, so, and my wife is very articulate and eloquent and just the way she laid it all out there uh, publicly, mm-hmm. it just it just blew me away. Aww, that's so sweet. Yeah. I'm looking at you and you are like, you are truly like the black Benjamin Buttons. You do not age. <laughs> <laughs> you are just like, you do not age. It is just like all glistening and glowing and just like, bam! I'm, I'm, like, I'm, I'm having a lucky day then. No, you're having a lucky life. Uh-huh. You're having a lucky life, my brother. So also, we were discussing before we got on the air about our our feelings about horror films and I expressed to you that I'm truly not that chick and the only reason I went to see The Curse of La Llorona very good very good (laughs) um, was because you were in it that's the only reason why I went to see it you and Linda you and Linda Cardellini I was like okay I like Linda Cardellini I like Sean let me just Mm. go see what's going on Mm. I was but I was so excited well, I can't say that because I don't want to ruin it for people. Oh, yeah. But right. I was excited that you were in the film. That's uh-huh. what I was going okay. I was excited you were in smart, the film and smart. I went to see, <laughs> went to see it because you were in the movie. Uh-huh. What, Knowing this is a horror movie, yes. what made you decide to do it? Because, you know. 
Well, to me, it doesn't matter whether it's horror or comedy or drama, or whatever. If it's a good story, it's a good story. Mm-hmm. If it's characters that people can connect to, and 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 feel a type of you know empathy or or suspense for or whatever it is, uh, you know that's the key. Mm-hmm. And so to me, that the script had that. It was it had a family that was going through a rough time. You know, the father just died, uh, and you know, so there's a widow and her kids, and and my father passed away when I was young, mm-hmm. and so. I know what that was like. I know what that was like to be in a house where you lose like that, the that, man, ma- you, that you, patriarch. Yeah, you, yeah. You, you lose that man in the house, and everybody's kind of in a daze and kind of you know, nobody really can tell up from down. You know, mm. and so I knew I knew what that was after reading the script, and I felt like you know I could identify with where I fit into that story. Oh wow! I was not expecting that answer. That was a great answer. Oh, okay. I love that. <laughs> I kind of love that. Were you familiar with with this this curse of this woman, the woman that no. cries? I, I had lo- no idea. I was like, ooh, the the Latin folks, they got more. Like, you know, <laughs> the Day of the Dead and the Curse of Yeah, y- whatever her, her name is. La Llorona. La Llorona, yeah. yes. So I'm like, they got some good stuff. Yeah, I thought that too. I was like, the yeah. Latin folks got some good stuff. I'm like, and then I started thinking, I'm like, are there any curses or anything like that in the African American community that I could think of, and the only thing I could come up with was Bigfoot. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't know if that's a black thing. It's not a black Bigfoot. thing, but I, I was. I think that's but, like a. But beyond the black thing, I was like, do I know about any other curses or anything like you know wives' tales? Right. And I was like, literally, the only thing that crossed my mind was Bigfoot, mm-hmm. and I was just like, okay. Well, do you know any West Indians? I don't. Okay, because I'm West Indian. My parents are from Guyana. Oh, okay. And so when I was growing up, uh, you always heard about somebody called Jumbi. Ooh, you got to tell me about that. I don't know. Basically, it's the boogeyman. You know. Oh. So you know. It, so what? The, what was he gonna do? He just gonna come and just, scare people? Just come up and snatch you up in the middle of the night? Ooh, that'd be, no. That's what I had always heard. What I was told, you know. So you gotta watch out for the Jumbi. Oh no! You don't behave a Jumbi, gonna get you. You know oh, that type no. of thing. Yeah. So. Ooh, the boogeyman. Yeah. A West Indian boogeyman. <laughs> <laughs> Jumbie man. That is pure yeah. comedy. So that's what I grew up with. Oh no, I, I grew up with <laughs> I grew up with I just keep coming back to Bigfoot. Uh-huh. I grew up with Bigfoot and I had an aunt. We I grew up in the Midwest in St. Louis, Missouri. Mm. And I had an aunt that would <laughs> one day we was we would all sit on the porch in the summer times and stuff uh-huh. and they we had these four family flats where where three quarters of my family lived in this four family flat. Uh-huh. The two outside units were downstairs and the two inside were upstairs and my aunt, we used to call her Mama Clee. She came down the stairs one day. <laughs> she had put, she had taken the orange bedspread off of her her bed and put it over her head and came down the stairs pretending to be Bigfoot. And uh-huh. I will never forget that as long as I live because it was the craziest thing right. I'd ever seen. And then right before, <laughs> right before she got to the end of the steps, she fell face first, Ooh. bam! And we were thinking. like, and we were like, oh my god, are you okay? And then she took the cover off and just cracked up laughing. Uh-huh. And my whole family was on the front porch and we laughed for a good twenty minutes, mm-hmm. laughing at her in this orange bedspread trying to kill somebody like she was, and she was saying she was Bigfoot. Uh-huh. So the little kids got really. Scared scared and they were crying and they were running uh-huh. and me and my brother and some of my other cousins that were my age we were just laughing because we knew it was her sure sure but it was pure comedy uh-huh. but i did when i when i saw the film i thought i wonder if there are any other um wives tales like that from other different parts of life because mm-hmm. that one is like so scary oh i remember do you remember this one the one about the um where you would look in the mirror 
I forget the, the it was Mary something or another. If you went into a, a bathroom mm-hmm. in the dark and you looked in the mirror and you said Mary whatever her name is, mm-hmm. and she was supposed to come out of the mirror and get you. I never heard that. That was a scary one too. I never heard that. My wife is from New Orleans, and they have a ton of that. Oh she, yeah, she's Creole. She's from New Orleans. Oh, so she so do all that voodoo. They stuff. have all that voodoo stuff. <laughs> She's got like 40 different, you know, mon- monsters and boogeymen and, and all kinds of stuff. Oh, no. But I, I, what I loved about the film is that it showed that a mother will do just about anything to protect her kids. Yes. And this mother literally does. Like she went in hard to protect her kids, but mm-hmm. then her kids went in hard to protect her too. They did. They did. Her kids did. went in hard to protect her too. Yeah. And I, I did reckon the guy, the, um, the form, the guy who played the former priest, who was now like a a, a ghost shaker, ghost hunter. Yeah, I've, I've seen him in a zillion films. Raymond Cruz, yeah. Yes, Raymond Cruz. Yeah. I've seen him in a zillion films, but I'd never seen him in a film where he had a decent arc. Like you, right. you know what I mean? Right. Like yeah. usually in these films, he's got like this arc that's kind of like he kind of comes and goes, and you don't, and you're like, oh yeah, I've seen him before, but yeah. he didn't have a real story. Mm-hmm. I was so happy to see him have a story, and even your yeah. character had a really nice story. Yeah, a little you bit, know, yeah. you know, you were a detective, mm-hmm. and you were supportive of this this um, this woman with her kids because you, I think you worked with the the yeah, father. Yeah, I, I was the father's partner. In and the so, force, yeah. I like the fact that you know you stayed active in their lives after the father was gone, mm-hmm. and you were trying to keep that. Not an oath, but that promise that you gave to the dad that yes. you would keep, look out for them. Yeah. And you did exactly that, even mm-hmm. when a situation arose where it looked like... I'm trying to yeah, talk know, about the movie, but not was, talk about it. I think, how's she going to get around right. this one? So I'm like, even when a situation arose when um, things were not looking so good for mm-hmm. the mom or the kids, you were the person that kind of stepped in to kind of counteractive and counteract it, excuse me, mm-hmm. and make sure that it was okay. Yeah, But I really... I. I dug what you did in it because it was very understated. It was very real. And I could relate to that character. I could relate to that man. I could relate to that relationship that he had with that family. It was all A+. plus. But you Thank always you. do that. I appreciate that. I told you, you, dude, I'm a fan of yours over here at Black Hollywood Live. <laughs> I am the Sean Patrick Thomas fan club all by myself. So I'm just saying. Hey, I need all the fans I can get. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you. So can you tell me about any other projects that you have on the horizon? Uh, there's nothing else coming up right now. What? No. I'm, I'm available. I'm a... Um, Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to need y'all to give Sean Patrick Thomas a work. Like, he is a quality actor. He knows what he's doing. He's great. He has a huge fan base, a la moi, a la moi. I mean... <sighs> No, I'm, I'm not complaining. I'm not complaining. You're not, you need a break? Well, no, I'm not saying I need a break. I'm just saying that I've been very fortunate and, uh, you know, something's going to come up. Something what, always does. What would be your dream thing to work on? My dream thing to work on mm-hmm. right now? Mm-hmm. James Bond. Oh. James Bond. What would you, did you want to be James Bond? Yes. Oh, okay. Absolutely. Oh, I mean, God. why Uh-oh. settle for anything you less? Might, you might have to fight Idris for that, honey. Hey, you know, I respect Idris. <laughs> he, he, he and I can go after it. And, and made the best man win. I kind of love it. Ooh, I never thought about that. I would love to play James Ooh, Bond. Ooh, you'd be a good James Bond. I think Bond. I would be, yeah. Ooh, because he got that debonair thing going. Okay, go ahead, Sean Patrick Thomas. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. I, I got to ponder on that for a minute. Yeah. Um, What else would, would you go back to Broadway? Absolutely. In a heartbeat. I loved every second of it. Would you do a musical and dance? I would do Hamilton. <laughs> Where I can rap. 
He's like, I would do Hamilton. I, would I don't do know Hamilton. about dancing, but I'll do Hamilton. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Hamilton is the type of thing where I just love every I love every word of it, every syllable, every beat of it. I love every, my kids love it. We all do it together in the car. I would that'd be a dream job. What's your favorite number? And I'm, uh, hmm. That you do with your kids in the car. That I do with my kids in the car. Is it the opening? Um, probably my kids know that one and uh, uh, Yorktown. Mm. Me and my son love Yorktown. <laughs> That's our thing. Yeah. Now, what is it? What is it about Hamilton that you think you would want to do that eight times a week? That's a hard show to do eight times a week. Cause, and let me just, before you answer, let me just say this: uh-huh. not for nothing. But it is a show that's mostly rap. It's not mm. like if you're doing a play or if you're doing musical theater right. and you skip a line, you can make some stuff up. You can't be making oh, up no, no lines. You can't make up no lines in but Hamilton. That's, that's where I come from. I mean, I was trained in oh, right. classical bef- theater. Yeah, because so you we got on the air, you was doing Shakespeare. Shakespeare. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you can't make stuff up in Shakespeare either. So that, that doesn't bother me. That, that's, that's right up my alley. I could never do Shakespeare. Oh, yes, you could. I'm improv queen. I am that person. I am improv queen. I'm that person that if I forgot a line, uh-huh. yeah, I would just make stuff up. Because right. I have... To, okay, so the first TV job I ever had was Chicago Hope. Uh-huh. And it got to me... It got. It was time for me to say my, my two or three little lines that I had. Mm. And I didn't realize, because I came from theater to mm. television, so I didn't realize that you had to tape things multiple times from multiple angles. Yes. Because I was used to the theater where you, it was one and done, mm-hmm. right? Mm. So... They had taped it so many times. By the time they got to me in my close-up, mm. I was exhausted. And it yeah. was at the end of the day. It's a skill. They got to me, and I was like, that camera rolled. And Rocky Carroll said that line to cue me in. And my face, he said he saw my eyes just glaze. He said he looked <laughs> at me. He said he saw my eyes just glaze over. Uh-huh. And he said he knew. He knew what was coming because he said he'd seen that happen to Rock Dutton on more than one occasion when mm. they were doing Rock. Right. And I talked. I must have talked for a good five minutes. Uh-huh. Michael Schultz was the director and he let me I made up a whole monologue for five minutes uh-huh. they just let me talk until they said cut and I was like oh my god did, did they use it? no they used what was scripted <laughs> but he literally I think he just wanted to see how far I would go and right. I was still talking when he said cut right. he, I was just ah. Mm-hmm. And then, and when they, he yelled "cut," the whole crew just busted out laughing, and I was right. like, "Yeah, so I'm not that chick that's uh-huh. gonna be able to do some Shakespeare." I will, I will never audition for Hamilton because I know me; I will mess up and will be making some stuff up and be like, mm. <laughs> <laughs> "You can't rewrite history." But it's then, Alexander it's, Hamilton. <laughs> it's so brilliant! It's so brilliant that once you learn it, it will stick in your head. I guarantee you. When when writing is good, mm-hmm. it just sticks right there. You talking about Shakespeare or Hamilton? Both. Mm-hmm. And it won't go anywhere. I guarantee you. You could do it. Uh, okay. I'm, I'm going to take your word for it. But I'm like, <laughs> mm, I don't know if I'm be able to do all that. Because mm. I literally, somebody wanted me to audition for, it was either, I think it was either Taming of the Shrew mm-hmm. or, uh, I can't remember. The, I think it was Taming of the Shrew. Mm-hmm. And I was like, mm, I don't know if I'm going to be doing all that. Well, I'm that. not saying you can walk, walk in off the street and do Shakespeare. No, no, like, no, no. It no, takes no. practice no, and training. You, it, yeah, you'd have to be trained to do but that. beyond that, it really sticks in your head when it's brilliant. Yeah, I would, I would think that the training... So the training for Shakespeare is a skill to learn the sonnet rhythm, yeah? Yeah, the iambic pentameter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Because yeah. that looks like a skill. Because when I watch people perform it, it feels like a monologue that... It feels like a musical monologue to me. Yes. You yes. know what I mean? Yeah. So it feels like it's a, a verse of a song, mm-hmm. and then there's this pause, like you're waiting for the chorus, and then like right. there's, there's this other verse. That's what it feels like when I watch it being performed. Right, right. So is that what it's like to learn it? To me, it's like poetry. 
you know, okay. depending depending on on which play you're doing or which character you're doing. Mm-hmm. It's like poetry, uh, but the the words are so rich and the ideas are so complex mm-hmm. that for me it just sticks mm-hmm. once I understand what I'm saying and why I'm saying it. What's your favorite Shakespearean piece? Um, gosh, there's so many. I'm, I love Othello. I love Henry V, Part One. Uh, I love Much Ado About Nothing. Okay. Uh, there's just so many. Would you Would you go to Broadway doing a Shakespearean piece? Absolutely, in a heartbeat. I think you I need to investigate it tomorrow. that tomorrow. Yes. I think you need to investigate that Sean Patrick Thomas. I might. I might. Do people just come up to you and say Sean Patrick Thomas, or they just say Sean? They say Sean Patrick Thomas. Isn't that hilarious? Or they say say the last name, say the last name. <laughs> I get I get that they just a lot. Call, they just come up to you talking about say the last name. Yeah, dance. yeah. Like they say that to me, like that's my name. You know. <laughs> That's a great movie. Yeah. I interviewed um, the director of all those dance films. Mm. He was great. I had a good time with him. But mm. um, yeah, I you I bring up the Shakespeare stuff because before we went on the air, we were doing the sound check for you, uh-huh. and you just busted out a piece of Shakespeare. I'm like, oh, <laughs> you gonna be that person? It's today. just it's just a habit. It's just a habit. <laughs> like if I can say it, then I know that my mouth is working that day. <laughs> that's all. Do you sing? I can carry a tune. Would you do a musical? Absolutely, I would. Yeah. Which musical would you think you'd like to do that's already been done? That's already been done. Mm-hmm. Like a, re- a, a revival of a musical. A revival of a musical. You know, wow. like a Kiss Me Kate joint? Because that's kind of like, you know, Taming of the Shrew, but right. musical. You know what I would like to do? Mm. I would like to play Captain Von Trapp in The Sound of Music. You better put that out there. That's my that's thing. That's okay. Christopher Plummer. Well, I'm, okay. I'm, I'm all about that. Well, okay, Sean yeah. Patrick Thomas. Yeah. Wow. Either that, either that or My Fair Lady. One of the two. Oh, oh. Henry well, Higgins, I will do that. Well, okay, Sean Patrick Thomas, you better put it out there in the universe. I kind of love you for that. Those are my shows. Because I would have, of all the Broadway shows that exist, those are not the shows I thought you would have picked. Uh, what would you have I don't. I don't even know uh-huh. what you would have picked, but right. those are not the two that, w- that I immediately would have thought, oh, really? Right. Well, Henry Higgins and My Fair Lady, you don't have to have this golden voice. No, you don't. Right, like Rex Harrison in the movie, he doesn't have he doesn't sing like Luther Vandross. No, the know? person that has to sing is the the woman who plays the the girl. Right, Eliza yeah. Doolittle. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. But you know, and uh, even she didn't sing in the movie. Ooh, did I say that out loud? Yeah, but Professor Higgins, I could do that, and, um, I, and I could do Von Trapp too. You know, and, and there's with, no black Austrians, but that's a whole other thing. Does there? Ha- we don't know if there's no black Austrians. That's true. I mean, there, there may be there may be, there may be some. We just don't know who they are here. That is true. I'm just saying we're not gonna yeah. we're not gonna poo poo that. Well, black Austrians during World War II. That's that's a little tough, huh? Yeah, that that, that might be. That's that, tough. They that, might be there now. I don't know if they were there then. Yeah, that. Yeah. They might have to redo it to fit. They might have different... to put. They might have to put it. In. <laughs> <laughs> they might have to like skew the story right. a little bit, like they did with um. They took Carmen Jones and they they moved the story right. around like a, a little Carmen bit. Jones they might have to thing. do something like that, Maybe like that, or just suspend disbelief and say, "Hey, Devon Trap, Captain Devon Trap is black. <laughs> Get over it." I love you and, so and much for that. There. I love you so much for that. You know those reenact, not reenactments, but those NBC musicals that they were doing on TV. So yes. you you would do the sound of music for one of those, huh? Oh, there's no if, doubt about it. If they it. were still doing, I don't even think they do them anymore. I think they're still doing them. Are they? Yeah. Because I think the they were supposed to do one and they canceled it. I heard about that. 
I heard about that. I think it was The Sound of Music, actually. No, it wasn't. That. No, that was the one Carrie Underwood no, did. Carrie Underwood right. did The Sound of Music. No, it was another one. It was a really popular one that I can't remember at the moment. But, but you see Jesus Christ Superstar with John Legend? Oh, that was awesome. That was incredible. That was awesome. Yeah, so they're still doing That's it. the only one that they did really well, though. I feel like that's the only one that they my did. Man really. And Kenny hairspray. Leon, my one. man Kenny Leon did hairspray. Yeah, I was gonna say hairspray and, he, and that he one. Did a great job with we're that. We're good. One. We're yeah. good. Oh, I'm glad you brought up Kenny Leon. Yeah. We could we could talk about him for a couple of minutes. Okay. So Kenny Leon is one of these. He's not up and coming because he's been around for a long time. Mm-hmm. But he kind of took Broadway by storm for a minute mm-hmm. because he did Raising in the Sun with he did. you. He did. And then he's been doing some other things. And he has that that theater company in Atlanta. Yes. I want to see him do more stuff. I wish he would do more stuff on the small screen. I wish he would do something on the big screen. Well, he's doing a, a, a movie right now, the play that he just did with Kerry Washington. I forget the name of it. Uh, mm. but that's that's going to be a TV movie very soon. Ooh, yay. I think on Netflix. Okay. So he, I think he just did that. Okay, I'll, yeah. I will look for that. Yeah. Were you so, Okay, speaking of Kerry, are you so surprised that, that Scandal ended up being Scandal with no, her? No, I, I mean, because she... Because I've been watching her for a long time, from Save the Last Dance all the way through. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember her being in Ray and playing uh-huh. Ray Charles' wife. Like uh-huh. she's had, she's had a very interesting career. Sure. So when Scandal hit, I was like, "Oh my God, this girl! She she's like you in the respect that you guys are very multifaceted, and your your talent and your gifts have no boundaries. Mm-hmm. There's no, there's nothing in front of you that says you can't do that. Mm-hmm. So when Scandal hit, were you like? That's my girl. That's my friend Carrie. She's yeah, doing it. She's yeah. doing it. It was very, very, very cool to see. But, you know, I, I know that she's very driven. I know she's very ambitious. She has a great team. You know, she had, like, when we were doing Save the Last Dance, she had uh, her manager there mm-hmm. a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, at that point, neither one of us had done much of anything. Mm-hmm. But this man, this woman that she was working with, I don't recall her name right off the top of my head, mm-hmm. but she was always around. And you could tell that she believed in her from back then. That's good. And when you have people around you like that, you know, the sky's the limit. Do you have the same team in place, or have you switched a couple of times I've over bounced, the years? I've bounced around a little bit. Um, but I have an agent now that I'm very, very happy with that I've been with for a while. What advice would you give to someone that looks at you and they're like, I want to do what he's doing. I want to have a career that has had the the trajectory that his has had. What uh-huh. what kind of advice would you give to some young actors that are watching this right now? I would say you have to get some training. You have to do it for real uh, on stage because that's the only place you really learn how to be grounded mm-hmm. in, in what you're doing. You learn discipline there. You learn, and you learn discipline and you don't worry so much about how you look or what people think you're just doing your job Mm -hmm. and uh that's what i get from training that's what i took from it that you just got to be focused on the task at hand were you ever in a place with your career where you thought i know i'm different i know i look different i know i'm not i know when people look at what they think you know a black guy is i don't necessarily fit that right particular um, ideology, right? Did you ever go? Well, maybe I should, you know, switch up and do this, or maybe I should switch up and do that. Or did you always have that that thing inside of you that was like, I'm going to stay true to who I am, mm-hmm. and I'm going to brand me, and sure. I don't really care what these other people want to see, but I'm just going to do me. Right. I think early on in my career, I had like a sensitivity to that, like coming off as uh, what people are used to seeing or expect to see. I think when I was much much younger, I probably had a sensitivity to that. But once I became more aware of my place in the world, once I became more sensitive to and uh, educated about racism, about images, about stereotypes, how things are reinforced, 
it became very important to me to not become a part of that. Mm. And I became very proud of the fact that the roles that I do and the way that I do them cuts against stereotypes and cuts against uh, anybody pigeonholing me or any other black man. So it kind of took it that direction for me. And so that's a part of the way I approach my work now. Like, it's very important to me that nothing that you see me doing is going to reinforce stereotypes. I I embrace that, and I believe that. I have a, a book that I wrote for actors called The Actor's Guide to Self-Marketing, How to Promote and Brand Your Unique Image. And mm. I'm a big proponent in the fact that there's only one of you on the whole face of the right. planet. There's nobody else like you. Why are you wasting all this time <laughs> right. trying to be that person over there, be that person over right. there, have this career, have that career, have that right. career, whatever? Do you. Do, be the best you you can mm-hmm. be, mm-hmm. and you will find that whatever that has in store for you will be better than anything you would have encountered There's if no you're doubt. trying to be somebody else. There's no doubt. Well, I think that is our time, Sean Patrick okay. Thomas. I am so happy that you came over so here so to talk to me here at Black Hollywood Live. And the film, Through Lionsgate, LD Entertainment, called The Curse of La Yadrona. Yes. New line. New line cinema. <laughs> new, line, new line cinema. My yeah. bad. Long, wrong studio. Oops. <laughs> new, line, new line cinemas, The Curse of La Yorona, yes. will be out by the time you guys watch this. So happy that you took some time over here. If people want to keep in touch with you, on, are you on social media? Yes, I am. Where can they find you on social media? On Instagram, I'm at Sean P. Thomas. And on uh, Twitter, I'm at Sean underscore P underscore Thomas. Cool. And I'm your girl, Carla Renata, a.k.a. The Curvy Film Critic. You can find me across all social media platforms at The Curvy Critic. You can also catch me right after this over at GH for the General Hospital after show or the GH Report, as we like to call it. But That's until. My show. You watch General Hospital? Sonny Corinthos. Oh, dude, you got to come Jason over. Jason Morgan. You got to come over to the GH Report and hang That's with us. That's my show. Dude. Okay, okay. I, I digress. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have Sean Patrick Thomas come over to the GH Report one day. But until then, we will see you next time at The Curvy Critic with Carla Renata. Love, peace, and hair grease. Bye. On behalf of our BHL staff, we would like to thank you for tuning in to Black Hollywood Live, the world's first digital broadcast network devoted entirely to urban entertainment and pop culture. Check out our Black Hollywood Live YouTube page for even more great programming and amazing content. And be sure to subscribe and like our channel when you do. I'm your BHL host, Nakia Monet, and you can find me on all social media at Kiki Boom Boom or at Black Hollywood Live. Black Hollywood Live, Hollywood redefined. 